With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and today I am joined for the first time by my friend, Jose Lopez. What's up, Jose? Hey, how's it going, Patrick? Good to be with you. Jose and I are on this Golden State Warriors group text. That's how we met. I knew like two people on there, and then I just keep texting it, and I don't really know. There's just a bunch of blank numbers except for like three people. But, uh, you know, Jose and I tended to uh, actually really participate. So um, I figured like, yo, uh, you want to come on the show and talk some stuff? Good to have you on. I want to ask you, like I ask guests every time they come on, what's your what's your Warriors fandom like? What was it like for you coming up as a Dubs fan through like the the good times, the bad times, all that jazz. Yeah, thanks. You know, I got to say, you know, that group text uh, that you mentioned, that thread, you know, that's one of those things. I think it kind of grew out of COVID a little bit. At least that's how I think about it. That's when I became very active in it. And it's a text thread with uh, with our common friend, Boo Bang. And, and, you know, we're all pretty, pretty active on it. It's cool to have that outlet uh, for hardcore Warriors fans. And uh, so, yeah, I've definitely enjoyed, you know, getting to know you through that and have been a longtime listener, first time caller on the program. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> um, you know, your question in terms of, you know, my Warriors fan story, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a 1980s kid uh, born and raised in San Jose. Uh, and I grew up uh, a fan of the, the Oakland Raiders, uh, the Oakland A's and the Warriors. So I, like in terms of my identity, I was always very affiliated with the East Bay teams, including the Warriors. And, you know, so I think just in terms of that time in history, uh, you know, we had a very tortured existence uh, with with that run, right? So uh, definitely very bright spots with the Run DMC uh, or Run TMC rather uh, teams and your Spreewell, uh, you know, era and, you know, the ups and downs of the Chris Webber era. Uh, and just, you know, just watching a lot of fun basketball, but not necessarily winning basketball. And so, you know, that, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of miss miss picks and, uh, kind of, you know, head scratching, uh, draft and, and, you know, management decisions, the, obviously the Mitch Richmond trade, you know, being, you know, a big kind of, uh, you know, historical kind of, uh, footprint there. So, so that's, that's the era of the team that, that, you know, previous to, to this kind of dynasty area uh, was kind of the defining, you know, aspect of, of how I identified as a plan, as a fan. Uh, and, you know, I think probably like, like you and like others who, who have lived through that type of history, um, you know, definitely just really cherish these moments because we know that the winning basketball is not always uh, and not always there. And we remember those bad times and it made these, these good times that much sweeter for us. Jose, you're um, also the owner of proprietor of Ropa.com where, um, you know, I'm wearing one of your shirts, which is super soft. It's a t-shirt company. So like tell, tell folks about that. 
Yeah, no, thanks. And definitely, you know, love seeing the the shirt on you. Looks good on you. It's uh the the brand is called Ropa website, uh www.getropa.com. And basically it's a Latino uh oriented uh t-shirt uh brand. And you know, just being based in the Bay Area, I have a few uh t-shirts, including this this warrior shirt that are you know affiliated with some of the local teams. Um but yeah, it's kind of a fun little side project, you know, not something that uh, is ever going to make, make me rich. I don't think it's just kind of a labor of love, but a fun project and a fun way to get some some cool designs out in the world and and hope people enjoy them. Cool, cool, cool. So that's uh, Get Ropa, R-O-P-P-A. That's right. That's right. Dot com. G-E-T-R-O-P-P-A dot com. Okay. All right. So I brought you on because we were texting back and forth and there's something that's just been like eating at me because I was really, really into the draft this summer. And I noticed to me, to me, okay, like the top five prospects in this year's Mm -hmm. draft, they kind of have an analogous pair in the 2020 draft, which is, is kind of strange to me, right? Like basically like at each position, there's somebody who was top five in, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. right? I'll make this pretty clear. So I'm going to just say that at point guard, you're looking at Cade Cunningham versus LaMelo mm-hmm. Ball. At shooting guard, you're looking at Jalen Green versus Anthony Edwards. At another guard position, you're looking at Jalen Suggs versus Tyrese mm-hmm. Halliburton. Center, Evan Mobley versus James Wiseman. And at... uh wing position, either Jonathan Kaminga or Scotty Barnes versus Patrick Williams. Mm -hmm. And some people might debate who the top five in the 2020 draft were, but to me, I like those guys. So I wanted to go through some of this stuff and figure out like who's better out of these, right? Like who would actually win in a five on five with these lineups? I preface this with, obviously we haven't seen any of these 2021 guys play in the NBA. So like... I want you to pick a team based on these comparisons. So like Kate Cunningham versus LaMelo Ball, who would you take? Yeah. I mean, when you put it that way and, and I'll say, I, I really like, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in that way in terms of, you know, lining up these guys by, by position this way, but it really kind of lines up well, in my opinion. So I like, I like the thought exercise and to your question as between Melo and, and Kate Cunningham, I think it's clearly Cade there. Um, you know, if, if you just look mm. at, you know, the K, I think, and I'll say just a, you know, spoiler alert, I, my take is generally that the 2021 draft class is going to be better uh, long-term than the 2020 class. And, and to me mm-hmm. that, that starts with Cade himself, in my opinion, uh, you know, just looking at his size uh, in measurables, he's essentially kind of a point forward, just given the the size that he has, and he just has so much, you know, versatility and sophistication in his moves. Um, I think he's just, you know, on the offensive end, you know, just kind of a plus across a bunch of different categories, whether it's, you know, playmaking, um, his his finishing at the rim. I think I like a lot better than than Mello. Um, he's not the passer that Melo is, but he's still a really good passer. And then I think he can he can just you know play down low a little bit, and I think that's a real plus when you consider his size and the fact that he's probably going to go up against smaller players. I think 
that's one aspect of, of his game is the ability to, to score down low and finish down low with explosiveness and strength that I think he really has a huge advantage over Melo. I think Melo is much more of a, much more of a floater guy uh, when he gets into the paint. And I really like how Cade uh, finishes. And then in terms of defensively, I, I, I don't think it's very close. I think, you know, Cade just has a bit, a better frame. Uh, he's just kind of a little bit more filled out, you know, than, than Melo is. Melo feels like a little bit of a skinnier dude. Uh, and that may change, but but I do think, you know, today, just a snapshot, I think Cade, you know, even, you know, as an incoming rookie is a little bit more of a plus defender than Melo is even going into a sophomore season. Um, so, you know, that's that's how I think about it. I think and I'll and I'll I'll make this caveat that that, you know, to to a certain extent, this conversation is is almost like a redraft conversation or a chance to kind of reflect on. Uh, specifically for the 2020 guys, you know, how we thought about them, you know, coming into the rookie season and and how we think about them now. And I'll be the first one to, to admit that, that I was really off on the mellow. I, I was not particularly high on him coming in and, you know, I'll gladly take the L there because um, I think his, the joy with which he plays is just so, so evident and he's so fun to watch. I didn't see that, you know, from, from the clips, that I saw of him, you know, playing in Australia and, you know, I was probably a, a victim of, of just being like, Oh, I'm not sure, you know, he's got this, you know, super hyper vocal pops and like, you know, he's kind of in the, in the shadow of, of his older brother a little bit. And, you know, I just didn't see like the, the kind of eye of the tiger, you know, kind of to use a cliche in terms of just a killer instinct, but man, he, he is, he is raw out there. And, and I just love how, you know, makes his teammates better. Um, like I said, the the joy, like he he's just he's having fun out there. And I think he he takes, you know, a lot of of enjoyment in making his teammates better and making the pass and the extra pass. The his court vision, I think, is like like off the charts uh elite. Just, you know, seeing almost 360 degrees of of the floor. And, and, you know, he's a lot of fun to watch for those reasons. And I think his highs Mm -hmm. in terms of passing and, and court vision are probably higher than, than anything that, that Cade does. But in my mind, I think Cade is just a little bit more well-rounded, particularly when you bring in the defense and, and I just like my, my, you know, if you're going to look to whether it's a point guard or point forward type of player, I like somebody who really finishes strong at the rim. And I think, you know, Kate is a little bit better on, on that side of the ball. That's a really good analysis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I actually tend to uh, agree with a lot of that. I personally would take Cade, the ability that Cade has to do a lot more things on the court is uh, he's excellent at a lot of Mm -hmm. things. Whereas I think LaMelo is amazing at, you know, passing uh, distribution, that flair. Like I think Cade can give you more and he might be a better player to build around in general. You could move him around mm-hmm. the court, you know, one through three at least. Whereas LaMelo, he's a point guard. His shot will go in sometimes, but it's improved. But Cade is still a better shooter. And in terms of the passing, yeah, definitely LaMelo has shown more flair. But man, I don't know if you saw that OK State team that Cade played with, but those guys were 
bad, <laughs> man. They were they were rough. Yeah. I, I saw. I mean, if you watch them in the tournament, that final game that they lost, I was like, why aren't they passing Cade Cunningham the ball? They're all trying to make a name for themselves or something. It was it was it was tough, but obviously you can't go wrong right now with Lamella or Cade. But yeah, I uh, I lean. Eileen Cade. Yeah, that's so funny you mentioned that because I, I actually had a similar thought in some of those games because it, it kind of reminded me of the the like the Ben Simmons LSU team where it was just like, mm. you know, you have to like see past the teammates kind of performance and, and try to isolate it and be like, all right, this guy, he's he's special. And I think, you know, we can have a, a Ben Simmons <laughs> debate sometime, but but I do think that yeah, at the college level, because <laughs> I, I think we, we kind of see that that case a little bit differently. But but yeah, at the college level, I think it, there's there's some similarities there. Also with Ant and in Georgia, actually, another guy that we'll be discussing where it just didn't have the, the supporting cast. And to your point, uh, I did think in some of those games, I felt like his teammates might have been like, hey, this is my chance. I know that I'm going to have a national... TV audience, I'm going to go get mine. Right. And, and it just, you know, maybe that was just my read or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, let's go there. I mean, he's, he's next on my list. I mean, I think uh, him and Jalen green, I, I pair mm-hmm. them. They're both two guard wings. I know this can be a, a guard heavy team regardless, but Jalen green, Anthony Edwards, who you got? You know, this one's tough for me. This one's really, really tough for me. Um, I will say that I I didn't watch uh, the Ignite team super closely throughout. And, you know, it was just kind of, maybe it was just me. I don't know what, you know, what what package you, you had to have to, to watch those games. It was, I found a little bit harder to catch those games than, you know, let's say, you know, like the major college uh, program uh, games that are always on ESPN. So, you know, I think just based on on the on the clips that I've seen of Green, he seems like a little bit more like a well-rounded, like polished uh, all-around player. And maybe maybe it's just me, but 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 Ant, you know, going back to to his college days, where I felt like like just elite off the charts athleticism, and like the the kind of guy that especially on the offensive end just has that one one speed kind of you know a la russ right he's just gonna like you know force the 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 ball down down your throat sometimes and uh and he has the athleticism even at the nba like he he definitely showed that at like the um athletic edge versus college competition where it just almost wasn't fair Um, but he can even do that at the nba level which is you know nothing to sneeze at um but I just I'm not crazy about about the decision making. I'm not crazy about the shot. Uh, the shot looks a little flat to me, a little bit like a like a muscle kind of kind of shot, you know, which which makes sense because he is such a just a strong, powerful uh, player. Um, but yeah, I think overall, like I I, I respect uh, Ant's scoring ability. I think he's like if you want to talk about you know, a guy in a clutch moment that needs to go get you a bucket. He seems like he'll be that player, like a, like a Jimmy buckets type of guy, like, you know, not afraid of the moment, you know, thinks he's, he's the best player on the floor uh, constantly. Um, But the other side of that coin is kind of what you see with Russ a little bit, um, particularly in the, in the the later stages uh, or in the last few years where it's like, 
you don't always want your guy to think he's the best player on the floor because sometimes that <laughs> that leads to him taking bad shots. And I could just see that with Ant. Um, so I think as much as he's impressive to me as a scorer and as much as um, he has the physical, he's just like a physical specimen. And I think he can be a plus defender, you know, if he puts that effort in. But he also just see him being a little bit lackadaisical on, on, on that end of the floor, um, not always kind of, you know, following the defensive play. Um, so I think my sense is I'm going to like the, the, the player that Jalen Green becomes, you know, a few years from now, um, a little bit more than Ant. But I do think that just like in terms of pure scoring, pure, you know, raw power and athleticism, you know, Ant is probably the, the more gifted uh, player. But if you ask me to, who to choose to start a team with, I might go with Jalen Green. When you say Russ, I can totally see that. <laughs> is that the best case scenario or the worst case scenario? <laughs> or just kind of who you kind of see him as and that's and we all know what Russ is. Like he's a polarizing player. People love him. People uh don't necessarily hate him, but like they really, really point at his flaws. It's a good question. I think if you look back to the the pre-draft uh scatter reports, you know, I'm I'm looking here, I popped up you know, the, the ringer, uh, you know, pre uh, 2020 draft guide, their kind of ceiling cases were, uh, was, was depot, um, which I can, which I kind of see. And maybe the rust thing is my own thing. You know, it was just, I think it came as a function of tracking ant because, you know, obviously as a Warriors fan and and looking at uh, how the top three picks in the 2020 draft performed, I was just, you know, staying, um, you know, staying abreast of, you know, what, what the wolves were doing because of the the impact on our draft prospects. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so I ended up watching a fair amount yeah. of, of wolves basketball, like a lot of hardcore <laughs> warriors fans did this year. And that's, that's what I saw. I'm super familiar with all their writers. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was like our, everybody, every big warriors fans, like second team was, <laughs> was watching the wolves hoping they fail. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. I don't know. That's, that's the impression I got. I don't, I don't, I mean, he's also, he's so young. Right. Um, so I think yeah, the part of Russ's game that makes him, you know, uh, kind of very debatable figure. I think it's, it's very ingrained in who Russ is today. I think, Ant, you know, as a player, the, there's still a lot of story to be written there, but it's just something that I, I kind of see. And that's what it reminds me of. We probably as Warriors fans are, um, you know, if we fully drank the Kool-Aid on, on, you know, Kerr's system and, and, you know, passing basketball and, and the beautiful game type, type of, you know, way to play, like we don't see guys like, like Russ in a good light. So then, you know, that probably colors, you know, when I see flashes of Russ, not like, not just the explosive, awesome plays of like, you know, jumping from near the free throw line to, to finish at the rim type of highlights, but also the ones that are just like, man, you got an open guy, you're taking, kind of a wild three-point shot like I, I don't like to see that um so that probably colors you know how I look at Ant a little bit yeah. but but that's just how I see it did you hear that Ant may have grown like two inches since uh his since the no 2020 way. draft dude that's right? even scarier man so he might be like <laughs> he might be like six six I guess this is a really tough one for me as well like I really like Anthony Edwards and I actually see the Russ comps obviously you know point guard versus a shooting guard wing. But the fact that they are both extremely mm-hmm. physical, but then 
like you said, Ant is a lot of story to be written, but like, is the decision-making there? And also is the commitment to team defense Mm -hmm. there? And we have yet to see, of course, early on, can he contribute to winning as opposed to just getting stats? Uh, And Jalen Green, I mean, this is tough because Jalen Green, who I think will be the greatest Filipino basketball player of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm curious to see like how, what his game becomes when he plays against bigger dudes Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. the time, because he's so skinny. And as a, as a two guard, at first he was listed as six, six, but I think it's been revealed that he's actually six, four. Oh, wow. So I, I do have concerns about his Mm -hmm. size. My pick for this. Oh man. It's funny, right? Because like there was a big question mark around a lot of the 2020 guys, right? When there was no clear favorite number one pick or no tier one guys. And in this 2021 draft, there were, in theory, so mm-hmm. many. But knowing that, I'll swing uh, for Jalen Green. Hey, Filipino tiebreaker, man. I like it. <laughs> I do think he will probably be better on mm-hmm. ball as well as a as a creator but those are two dudes who like play the same position but have totally different body yeah. types you know yeah I mean? yeah and i think you know to to your point you know like best case comp you know for for ant you know maybe being someone like you know depot or, or russ you know i think one of the the best case comps that you see for jalen green is bradley beal and like you know, mm. and and it makes sense, right? The 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 frame is kind of similar. Obviously, Beal is you know kind of you know packed on a little bit of muscle, but he's still not you know the biggest guy. Um, but I think that's the kind of you know playmaking and scoring that that you would want to see uh, out of out of Jalen Green. I do think he's somebody uh, who you know potentially has that ceiling of you know being uh, the type of guy who could lead the league in scoring potentially. Um, and not just doing it mm-hmm. like on a, you know, on a bad team, great stats, bad team type of dude, but, but really someone who's that, uh, that skilled and, and efficient. I think part of the, the mental model that that's hard to escape here is to, to, you know, to know that Ant went number one and uh, the, the Jalen Green, you know, was never like thought of as a consensus number one player. You know, I think that that title was always kind of held by, by Cade and people knew that the, you know, Cade going back some ways was probably going to go number one. And so I think that that's where it gets tricky, at least for me, you know, to, to think, Oh man, this guy, you know, Ant went number one, right. He must be better, but, but, you know, when you just kind of put it, you know, on paper and, and, and look at, at the results and, and how they, how they approach the game. Like personally, I'm a little bit more, you know, aligned with, with what, what Jalen seems to bring. But in terms of the number one stuff though, like for a while people were saying that the top five prospects in the 21 draft would all be the number one pick yeah. <laughs> if they were each in the yeah. 2020 draft. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it is tough cause there's all this recency bias like going on, right? Like if it was Ant at Georgia and that's what we knew. And then Jalen Green coming out of the ignite and all the, uh, high school hype, then it's pretty clear, yeah. right? But then seeing how Edwards has been able to score nonstop, that's what makes it such a tough call. And I lean green even more so because 
he just seems to have a little bit more of that playmaking mm-hmm. ability and a lot of similarity in the sense with Cade over Mello. It's like Edwards can do some things great and he might prove to be a very well-rounded player, but like right now he is tracking potentially to be just one of those like pure scorer mm-hmm. types. Right. Whereas I feel like Jalen green could develop more as you're saying, like the, the playmaking, mm-hmm. you know, ball handling savvy, somebody who could like initiate on the regular and not just like get the ball and, and drive mm-hmm. to the rack and whatnot. And who knows, maybe a uh, Jalen green will grow two inches in the That's next true. eight months as well. I don't know. <laughs> but why does he have to be on the rockets, man? Come on. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say that. That was one of those things where I was like, Oh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, another guy that we'll, we'll talk about uh, soon here, a lot of talk of, of uh, Mobley, you know, in, in the in the last days going in. Sure. And I like Mobley a lot, but, you know, Jalen Green to me is is really, really special. So I, I was really rooting for, yeah. for for the Rockets to go Mobley just selfishly as, you know, wanting to <laughs> wanting to have Jalen Green out of, out of the West if it's not going to be with the Doves. So, yeah. Um, that's another way to look at it. And it's funny though, right? Those picks were like back to back and it was like the Rockets and the Cavs, mm-hmm. the two greatest Warriors foes of the dynasty. Totally. Week two of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Let's move on to the aforementioned Evan Mobley. So this is going to be interesting. I want to hear your take on this. So. Uh, James Wiseman had mixed bag <laughs> as a as a rookie, and you can make the argument that somebody like maybe Isaiah Stewart was a more consistent center last mm-hmm. year. But this is not that podcast. <laughs> um, I still I'm a huge believer in Wiseman. I still am. I watched every game last year. If you listen to this podcast, you know Evan Mobley was a huge prospect. James Wiseman was the number two pick. They played in high school against each other. But um, yeah, I mean, what you call that? Who's your pick? You know, this one, this one is is tough for me. This was probably the toughest one. I think part of it is also, you know, colored by as somebody who is super high on Wiseman and and not ready to to sell low on on Wiseman just yet, like a lot of people have. Uh, but you know, I think I think it, it, without you know wanting this to be a cop out, I think. You know, it really kind of depends on on roster fit in my mind. I think, you know, Evan Mobley is he's a little bit more like a like a, a guard in a in a center's body. Um, you know, a little bit more, you know, slider frame. But mm-hmm. I think he's one of these guys that and I don't know the story, but just his his fluidity, his his passing. Um, makes me think he may have had like a growth spurt and maybe he played guard like as a kid. 
and and so he 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 just kept mm. a lot of that kind of uh, two way kind of guard, um, you know, skills as a part of his game. And then you know, I think probably like the defensive, you know, uh, gifts and talents on the shot blocking you know side of things and, and interior kind of moves may have been added to his game later. Whereas Wiseman to me seems like he was always the big kid and was always the center. But being that he grew up in the era of, you know, uh, you know, perimeter shooting and, you know, shooting big men. I think he kind of added those elements to his game, probably, even though, like, I don't think he ever played as like a, with like a guard first, you know, type of mentality. And, and Mobley does look to me like, like a very, you know, like I said, guard in a, in a center's body kind of, kind of guy. Um, and so, so it depends what you're looking for. I think Wiseman, you know, if you look at, and, and we know that he didn't have a good season. Uh, we know that all too well, but his, his, um, his field goal percentage in the interior uh, was, I think like top 10 or so in, in the league, I think at least for, for like the, the type of volume that he had in his, his brief season. So I think that that points to, to somebody who's going to be able to get those buckets inside um, and he's not somebody I don't, I wouldn't describe him as like thriving on contact, No, <laughs> but he's just good interior, right? He's, he's good. I think those, those efficiency numbers don't lie. And I think for, for someone who's already that efficient inside at, at his age, um, that is like a really good, good sign to me. We can talk about, you know, how he looked on defense and that's a very different story. We can talk about his, um, you know, efficiency in his perimeter shooting. And that's a much different story, but, but he's just in terms of a physical freak, I see Wiseman as the clear, uh, you know, having the clear edge on that side, like just like his, his height, his frame and, and moving the way that he does, like, you just don't see that every day. Like, I feel like, you know, Wiseman's, you know, the, the type of guy who is just a physically imposing looking dude like as soon as you walk into the to the to the gym you'll you'll see him and he sticks out it's just like wow that guy is big and he moves really well right um so i think there's still you know i'm high on wiseman i think there's a lot of story to be told there uh in the future i do think in terms of uh of his situation you know in terms of not having the pressure to be you know even the the second or third you know, or fourth option really on, on a team. I think he's going to have, you know, the, the ability to kind of grow into his own uh, on this Warriors team in a way that I think Mobley's going to have a little bit more responsibility on his plate early. And we'll see how he does in that situation. Um, but yeah, I think this one, this one's a, like really, really close to call. Um, I think if you're the type of person who wants that kind of, you know, a new, new school, you know, center, um, I do think Mobley has, you know, he's a little bit more switchable on defense. I do think that he has better passing uh, than Wiseman does. I think he has, you know, he's just more comfortable with the ball in his hands and never looks like, you know, the the game's moving too fast for him. I think, you know, in, this may be colored mm-hmm. just by the fact that, you know, Wiseman was thrown into Steve Kerr's system and, uh, you know, it was like a, a very taxing assignment on on both sides of the ball. Uh, for someone to to be thrown into that type of, uh, you know, b- huge on switching and then huge on ball movement type of uh, system on the offensive end. 
and he just didn't look like well suited for that. Right. Um, is that a function of, mm-hmm. you know, his skills and comfort level, or is that a function of him being a rookie who literally played three games of college total? So, you know, he hadn't really played since, since high school significantly, that jury is still very much out and we'll see how he looks. Um, I mean, he also, you know, never mind the the meniscus, but, you know, people forget that he also had that wrist, uh, you know, early in the season, he had um, the COVID thing, right? So he, he, they didn't have the, the training camp because of COVID. So it was just, if you were to draw up, you know, Wiseman's, you know, situation, it was just particularly for big men who, you know, I think need to, to have a lot of comfort, especially on the defensive end to, to be able to contribute right away. Like he was just set up to fail from the beginning and, and, you know, let's not get started on, you know, whether there was any kind of plan, rational plan um, that, that he was walking into on the coaching side. It just felt like he was just kind of thrown into the deep end and left to sink or swim in my opinion. So, you know, not, not, not the best environment for him to thrive, but I do think going forward, you know, particularly with, with clay coming back and, um, with, uh, I think the team kind of a little bit better poised to, to have, um, you know, some depth, uh, going into this year, I do think that he'll be able to plug in a little bit better. And so, you know, very high on both of these guys. I, I will say if you want, you know, more of like the center of the future, I think you go with Mobley there, but you're going with Wiseman. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Wiseman. <laughs> just, just, I'm so invested in Wiseman and I'll say, and back, back to the, yeah. the, the ant, um, you know, conversation of like that, that mental kind of model of, of being like, Oh, but he was the number one draft pick. Like Wiseman, if you go back a few seasons was kind of that consensus, number one guy. Right. Um, and, and, you know, his, his, College career obviously didn't, you know, work out the way that you would have drawn it up. And then he had those setbacks with the with the wrist, with the meniscus, with COVID in his rookie season here. But maybe I just have too much like take lock from from remembering, you know, Wiseman, the the high school phenom a few years ago. And I still think of that guy in that way. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, you know, I like Wiseman there. But do I think you'd be crazy to pick Mobley? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean that's why I find this exercise so interesting because it's like obviously a big Wiseman fan, but you look at Mobley and you're like, oh man, wow, you know, like his skill set and his abilities. But that's the thing too, right? Like if Wiseman had played the full season at mm-hmm. Memphis, if he got in a training camp, if he didn't get hurt, like what would he be? How would he look? You know, and those mm-hmm. are a lot of big ifs and hypotheticals that you know. As Draymond says, if I was seven feet tall, I'd be Anthony Davis, right? <laughs> They're two different players, right? Like you point out that Wiseman looks like a big dude who has taught himself how to shoot mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Mobley looks like like a guy who can handle on the wing a little bit better. It just happens to be seven feet tall. So I'm going to go Wiseman because like you, <laughs> this is, I don't know if this is going to turn out kind of weird because we're picking the same dudes, <laughs> but I take Wiseman not just because I'm more invested in him, which obviously I am, but those flashes that he showed last year, like I believe in that, mm-hmm. right? Like, And if he can come back 100% from meniscus, which in theory he should, Mm -hmm. as long as whatever happened to Jaron Jackson doesn't happen to him. Mm -hmm. 
and he can continue to develop. Like, I like what he brings. I like his size. He doesn't seem to take contact very well. And like, that's something I want to see happen. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, right? I'm making this pick based on the flashes, right? And what I saw in highlight reels and breakdowns mm-hmm. from his handful of college games, which is which is a very, very small sample size when you consider the type of competition he played in mm-hmm. three games, right? I think he'll have more of an impact. Oh, man, that's the thing too. Like if you look at Mobley in Cleveland, he'll get the playing time. He'll play next to Jared Allen, so he might not even have to play center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll take Kevin Love's playing time eventually. Totally. Kevin Love will get bought out. But yeah, I mean, I uh, I take Wiseman. But if somebody said to you, like, hey, if the Cavs came by and said, hey, we'll trade you Mobley for Wiseman straight up, <laughs> what would you, would you would you do it? That's the thing. I would do that. I would do it. Yeah, because the 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 thing that I was going to say is. You know, back to my earlier point of like so much of it being dependent on the team fit. I think someone like Mobley is a much mm-hmm. better fit for the Warrior system, to be honest. Yeah, right. Like yeah, that's, that's a, totally. Like that's he's makes it tough. Much yeah. more switchable. I think he could do like a little bit of that, you know, kind of Dre, uh, you know, kind of spreading the ball from from the elbow type of activity. I see Mobley mm-hmm. as better suited for that. Whereas like Wiseman would get the ball on the perimeter and just look a little bit lost. Sometimes it was just like, you know, like a ball stopper uh, on offense sometimes. Yeah. So I think yeah, the, that skill set, like I said, you know, fits a little bit better with the modern NBA fits a little bit better with the system that, that, um, that the warriors have. And, you know, but do I think, I do think that Wiseman's physical upside is greater and I think his ability mm-hmm. to be dominant at what he does well is better than than Mobley, in my opinion. Um, like I see, yeah. like best case, you know, for Mobley is like Chris Bosh, which obviously Hall of mm-hmm. Fame player, like amazing, amazing player. Um, and people used to compare a Wiseman to Chris Bosh too. I think that's kind of like maybe like the go-to comparison for like a big man who's not a complete stiff that you want to like, you know, be, (laughs) be uh, positive about, you know, one, one take that really stuck with me um, was, was actually Clay's dad, Michael Thompson, who's um, I'm sure, you know, he's a announcer for the Lakers and he had a take and this was, I want to say it was, it might've been before the meniscus or maybe just after, but he's, he's also very high on, on Wiseman and obviously has, you know, inside access to, to info uh, by virtue of his son being on the team. But, but his, his take on Wiseman best case with date was David Robinson. I remember. And that, right. that stuck with me. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things like, Hey, you know, who do you want between David Robinson and Chris Bosh? Right. But um and obviously two two amazing players, but but I mean Pete David Robinson was just you know dominating like like you know his his era of basketball. And I think that mm-hmm. I think that Wiseman has the the athletic ability to do that. Um and then you know this is kind of you know immeasurable and like intangible kind of stuff, but he seems like a smart dude, right? He seems like he cares and wants to get better. Sometimes it seems like he cares too much. Like he gets down on himself when like, you know, Dre and, and Steve Kerr chewing him out, which, which 
I don't like, but I, I, I'll take that over like a lackadaisical dude any day. Um, right. And, right. and this is dumb, but like, even the fact that he learned Mandarin, you know, is like, that doesn't seem like an easy thing to do. That seems like something you have to work hard at. And I think that, you know, speaks to just someone who sticks with things. Right. And, and will will be willing to, to persevere and, and put the work in. So, you know, all of that, maybe it's just like a Homer kind of thing. And, and I'm trying to be as fair as possible and saying that, you know, Mobley might, might even fit better into, you know, this specific team today, but in terms of, you know, the upside that, that I'm most more excited about, I would say it still goes with Wiseman. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to sound like I'm just waffling back and forth because it is, it is hard. And, and this is not about like hot takes, right? Like if the Cavs said, Hey, we'll give you Mobley straight up. It's like, Oh wow. All of a sudden I start imagining Mobley being able to fluidly pass mm-hmm. in the warrior system. Whereas like you pointed out, uh, when Wiseman gets the ball, sometimes he pauses, he's, you know, like the warriors, obviously they want you to do something when mm-hmm. you get the ball, don't hold it too long. Don't think too much, just read, mm-hmm. react. Uh, if, if this is there, then do it. If not, then do something else. And Again, like I think Wiseman has the ability to. And so all the things that we saw physically from him, it's the mental side that I believe he has, right? Not just intelligence, that's that's obvious, but like the and I've spoken about this before, like just that that yeah. will and that yeah. desire and that dog and yeah. that fight. He is yeah, he is like a physical specimen, but he would get bodied by people who were smaller than him, right? And that is my biggest concern. <laughs> I mean, Mobley is just skinny as hell, and he's going to get bodied yeah. by everybody. Uh, but that's my thing with with Wiseman. Seems like a great kid, good dude. He's going to speak Mandarin and be um, uh, a yogi someday, maybe. <laughs> who knows? But uh, this is definitely a homer pick on my part because I've talked so much and I've read so much. And I 100% believe in James Wiseman as long as he can show that he has that fight, right? Like he would get frustrated with himself and that happens all the time. I get it. And he's like 1920 last season, Mm -hmm. but like, I didn't like seeing the frustration where he looked like really sad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like where his face would look like somebody knocked his ice cream cone out of his hand (laughs) or something. I I didn't like that, you know, like, so that's the dog I want to see. And if he has that, then to me, like uh, as, as great as Mobley can be, uh, I love Wiseman's potential. Mm -hmm. And also it's because as you know, during my Warriors fandom, we've never had a center of this type before and just having like a big bruising physical potential, potential all-star center in best Mm -hmm. case scenario. Right. And like, we've always had like these stiffs, these dudes who just kind of are big bodies who don't have much skill, don't scare anyone, can't jump Mm -hmm. very high. I want to see this. And that definitely colors my, my choice here because mm-hmm. what I saw from him last year, I, I I think he can deliver more of, and it's ironic that he had way more pressure last year and this year because everybody has set the bar so low for him. Yeah. He'll still have a ton of pressure. All eyes will be on him, but people will expect less 
from from him. It's like when you go watch a movie and everybody says, "Oh my god, this is the best movie. You have to watch it." You'll go in, you'll be like, "It's okay." Yeah. Where somebody will say like, "Yeah, it's not that good. This is the worst movie you've ever seen." And you go in, you're like, yeah, "Actually, it's pretty good." You know? <laughs> so last year, it's like this is like the Giannis AD prototype hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't very good. And then yeah. this year, it's like, oh my gosh, he is uh, Patrick O'Brien. <laughs> no one's really said this, but like he is uh, overrated and you know doesn't know how to play basketball. And then this year, he'll be like. Wow, you know, it's it's, hey, it's not bad. It's pretty damn good. <laughs> so that that's what I think is going to happen. But I'll I'll take Wiseman. People can criticize me for it because it's such a homer pick. But um, I think there is empirical evidence to support that. No, I hear you. I, I and I know I know that's a that's a common uh, re- recurring theme. Uh, the the drought of Warriors big men, you know, is is something that you've talked about a lot on this program. A conversation that I've enjoyed. Um, the one thing I'll, I'll add, and and it's something that that sticks with me and, and colors how I how I see Wiseman, is I have a buddy, um, and he he played D one. Uh, won't won't uh, name drop him here, but but one of the things that that this is years ago, maybe like 10, 15 years ago, you know, we we're talking. I don't remember who we were talking about, but um, one thing that he told me that has always stuck with me is that a lot of big men don't like to play basketball. And, and his take was that there's so many guys who just, you know, they're, you know, six foot two or whatever in like the seventh grade. And they're, you know, um, constantly the biggest kid. And it's just like this natural kind of assumption that like, Hey, you, you hoop, you hooper. And, and, you know, the, the coaches kind of salivate when that big kid is, you know, coming into their, to their high school and, and they're instantly the big man. And at least the way that, that, you know, we used to play basketball when we were kind of coming of age, the big men were kind of like the, the, the center of, uh, you know, no pun intended, but just the center of, of the offense, right. That like the, the, the plays ran through, uh, the big men a lot of times. And so just the, the pedestal that, that the big man was on, uh, particularly in the pre kind of heavy three point shooting kind of modern, you know, era of basketball, um, I think it leads to like those kids in practice, you know, being kind of tagged as, as basketball players re- very early on. And, mm-hmm. you know, what my buddy was saying is a lot of those kids, you know, they just kind of do it because it's assumed that they have to play basketball because they're so tall and they don't necessarily yeah. always love playing and, and love the game. Um, and then some of them, you know, it's kind of like thankless work too to be the defensive anchor and then, especially as, as basketball has become more perimeter oriented. Now it's kind of a thankless job on top of it. Right. Because, you know, unless you're, you're shooting from outside, you know, you're not getting like the, the funnest shots. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things that when you do see somebody like Wiseman, who's clearly always been the biggest kid, you know, on the floor, but back to what he was in grade school, probably, but he still, you know, cares about getting better and putting the work in. And, you know, he had, um, famously was, was working with, with KG to, to improve his game. And so, you know, you, I see that and, and that conversation that, um, that I had with my buddy, you know, over a decade ago now kind of sticks with me and, and, and all that is to say that when you do have a big man who cares about getting better, I think that's a pretty unique thing. Did that thing with KG actually happen? Because I thought like, it's weird, right? Cause once he got hurt, you're like, oh, it's not going to happen. But then Bob Myers in some interviews said, uh, they were still going to meet up, but I have no idea. I didn't hear any reporting about it. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I I, I was based it off of maybe it was like a planned thing, but um, so I'm not sure if if that happened or maybe it'll still happen as as soon as he, he's able to to do heavy workouts yeah. again. But it's just one of those things that it's yeah. like, you know, you're taking on extra work and doing extra stuff. That's that's a good sign in my book. When I heard that he was going to hang out with KG, I was like, yes, that is the dog. <laughs> that is like the epitome oh, yeah. of the dog. So like oh, yeah. get get a little bit of that. Any any kind of osmosis uh, transference of dogness, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be perfect. You know what yeah. I mean? Like uh, that's what he needs a little bit more of. But um, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So we pretty much have the same team going so far. <laughs> All right. Well, that seems like a good place to stop. Be sure to tune into part two of this podcast a little later on. This has been another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Be sure to check it out at OaklandWarriors.com. And please go check out some of Jose's stuff at GetRopa, G-E-T-R-O-P-P-A.com. There's some nice shirts there. Really soft. Highly recommend. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.